Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Authorised Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFEX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. to see you now today we're going to talk about ACC but before we get there just remind our listeners Tim the Stewart Group what are you guys all about? Well the Stewart Group are independent financial advisors we provide advice on wealth management risk insurance KiwiSaver and retirement and being independent financial advisors we're not aligned we're fees only and we put the clients needs first and work together with them to come up with goals and help the client achieve those goals. Yeah. And so if someone wants to come and see you, we, we give you a ring, we get along there, what happens? Well, we go into a nice office, have a chat, make you a nice coffee, maybe offer you some sparkling water, and we get to know you. We get to understand what makes you tick and whether we are the right fit for you and you are the right fit for us. Now, that's not from a place of arrogance. We want to work with people that want to work with us, mm-hmm. and we want to work with people that can follow our advice and guidance because... Wealth creation, financial advice, all the aspects of that is not a silver bullet. You don't walk into a room, turn on the light switch, and everything is solved. You have to have a plan, you have to stay on the bus, and you have to follow our advice. Yeah, indeed. And uh, you're big fans of diversification. So, you know, someone comes and says to you, hey, Tim, look, I'm thinking about getting into uh, investing my money, and I want to invest in property. What might you say to them? What we would say is... Why are you investing in property? What is your overall portfolio? What are you hoping to achieve from investing in portfolio? Have you looked at balancing your investments by looking at other avenues such as share portfolios that we can uh, assist you with via managed funds and advice and so forth? And we would look at your full financial position because property is just one aspect of the asset classes of which people can invest in. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the other ones are shares and um, cash and fixed investments. So diversification across a broad spread of asset bases and asset classes over the long term will achieve good, sound, strong financial returns. It's science. That's the key to it, science. Now, we're living in volatile times right across the globe, uh, Tim, and uh, here in New Zealand, as we record this program, we've just um, got a, a new government about to take the reins of power. Do you find that when that sort of thing happens that people tend to put their hands in their pockets and say, let's wait and see? Agree. Absolutely. It is like that. And we've got to realise that, of course, we are a population of around 5 million people. Mm-hmm. We're a big city uh, spread over a very large geographical area relative to our population, but uh, at the end of the day, we just want to make sure that, you know, the country's functioning before we, you know, make a decision in terms of what we do next, whether that be investing, whether it be buying property, uh, employment, etc. because, again, this is just commentary from the sideline, not fact, but you could expect perhaps the new incoming government could look to reduce um, 
people in the state services sector perhaps mm. in Wellington, civil yes. servants, they may be reduced in numbers. So, you know, again, employment levels may start to rise, unemployment levels yes. may start to rise. So, uh, but the idea is get on a bus and stay there for the long haul. Yeah, have a plan, review the plan, make sure that it's meeting your goals, and that's what Stuart Group will do. They will assist you with understanding what your goals are and driving that bus with you, because as soon as you pull out of a particular market, whether it be property, whether it be shares, whether it be fixed interest, etc., often if the market's in a dip, you realise the loss. Yes, indeed. That's the key to it right there. Absolutely. Okay, all right, today we're going to talk about uh, something which we should pretty well know in some form or another, ACC. Tell us about ACC. Well, the ACC stands for the Accident Compensation Corporation, or Te Koporihana Afina Hananga Fara. Now, it's the New Zealand Crown entity responsible for administrating the country's no-fault accidental injury compensation scheme, commonly referred to as I touched on, ACC. Now, what it basically does, it provides compensation and support to citizens, residents and temporary visitors who have suffered personal injuries. Now, the most common one, of course, is that if you have an accident and you can't go to work and you're on a wage or salary, after seven days, you will get 80% of your income. However, there is a maximum, and that maximum is a gross figure of Mm $146,716. The minimum gross figure is $47,216. Now, it's interesting to note that the ACC has its origins way back in the, uh, I think it was the Workers' Compensation Act of 1900. It was established as a scheme for workers who had suffered injuries that were not directly responsible for those injuries. And in 1966, the New Zealand Royal Commission um, chaired by High Court Judge, I think his name was Woodhouse, was established. And in 67, the Royal Commission recommended extending this competa- compensation to cover all injuries on a no-fault basis. Now, following this report, the New Zealand Parliament passed the ACC uh, Accident Compensation Act of 1972, later amended in 73. Now, this has been changed at numerous junctions through changes of the Act, etc., uh, the Injury Prevention Rehabilitation Compensation Act 2001, which was in 2010 renamed the Accident Compensation Act of 2001. So where am I heading with this? Well, the Commission's annual report of 1989 and 90 proposed that the distinction between accidents which are covered and illness which is not, should be dropped. The proposal was taken up by the government. Then, from the 1st of July 1999, the fourth national government allowed uh, private insurance operators to provide work-related accident insurance. Now, ACC was briefly exposed to competition. The fifth Labour government, elected in November of 1999, repealed this change and as of the 1st of July 2000, reinstated ACC as the sole provider of accident insurance coverage. Now, what this basically means is that ACC is the sole and compulsory provider of accident insurance in New Zealand for all work and non-work related injuries. The corporation administers the ACC scheme on a no-fault basis so that anyone, regardless of the way in which they suffered an injury, has coverage under the scheme. Now, due to the scheme's no-fault basis, people who have suffered personal injury do not have the right to sue an at-fault party except for exemplary damages. Now, I'm not a legal person, Mm -hmm. Ken, so this is just my understanding as a layman. If people have any issues around ACC, they should consult a suitably qualified lawyer, of course. But on the face of it, when we look at uh, ACC, it's a bit like superannuation, isn't it? Uh, sort of a, a minimum input from the punter 
And in our heads, we think, well, we're covered. Yeah, yeah we are. A problem. We're going to be looked after by old Nana State. Exactly. But it goes back through the pages of history, though, when um, you would often hear people, heaven forbid, creating injuries for themselves so they could make a claim. Really? <laughs> you know, but but now we've got investigators that, you know, check yes. to make sure it's genuine and people are less likely to do that because mm. the lump sum payouts aren't in, in effect as they were previously. So what ACC intends to do, it's the compensation word that comes into play. Mm. We'll compensate, as when I say we, I say ACC, we'll compensate you for your inability to work because of an accident. So we'll give you 80% of your pre-disability income, right? After seven days, that lets you get lets yeah. you get back on your feet and carry on, etc. But what they also try and do is rehabilitate. Now, this is where it gets a little bit grey sometimes. For example, if I'm an orthopaedic surgeon and I had an accident and say I was paid out the maximum, etc., and I couldn't work as an orthopaedic surgeon again, what would ACC do for me? Mm. I don't know. I would suggest they would probably say... You can find another job that's not an orthopaedic surgeon, and if we can get you rehabilitated back to do another job apart from being an orthopaedic surgeon, then so be it. That's yeah, my lot. Sure. So there could be a shortfall in what I was earning previous to what ACC will pay me, you see? Yeah. So as a comparison, um, I mean, if you if you take a step back from ACC, and I, and I guess people coming into our country uh, who get to partake of it must think it's absolutely marvellous, but if it wasn't there, what would you suggest? I would suggest... As an alternative or alongside ACC is some form of income protection insurance, mm -hmm. particularly if you're self-employed, uh, because obviously if you're wage and salary, it's easy to prove your income. Here's the pay slip. I worked for you, Ken, for two years, etc. Very straightforward. Here's the history of my earnings. End of story. 80% of my pre-disability income would be paid while I can't work as a shock job breakfast yep. radio announcer. Yes. <laughs> I wish. However, if I'm self-employed and my income has been a little bit lumpy, then it could be harder to prove. Mm. So that's where an agreed value income protection insurance can overlay with ACC. I guess the big thing what I'm steering towards here, Ken, is to make sure people have a plan before they need a plan. Yeah. If you start preparing a plan after you need it, it's too late. And that's when you're confronted with, I didn't know that was the case. I wasn't aware. Nobody told me. Why was that not explained? That's where, right across the gambit of financial advice, you need a suitably qualified advisor that can steer you through the minefield and the, you know, the hills and bumps of of life's highway. So, someone listening to this program, uh, they're aware that ACC is there for them, and um, so why would they want to take on the extra burden of extra money? What what is health insurance, for instance, uh, or wage and salary insurance going to do that ACC is going to do in the short term? Great question. It takes the ambiguity out of it. Mm -hmm. Let's look at those individual headings that you just mentioned before there, Ken. If we look at health insurance, it means that if Tim has a leg injury that he sustained playing cricket many moons ago and he needs a knee replacement, I don't have to wait on the public system. Yep. Now, I'm not passing judgment or comment on the public mm -hmm. system because there are some wonderful doctors and nurses, etc., etc., that do the utmost best that they can for their patients and personally in my family I've had a, a family member that needed care and attention last year and it was exemplary here in Hastings so big shout mm. out to all the people yeah. that do that however it's not a perfect system they're always looking for more staff we pick up the paper and we hear that nurses and doctors are possibly jumping the ditch because of better working conditions increased salary and all the rest of it. well if I'm needing a knee replacement Ken I don't want to wait no, of course. I don't want to hang around in the parking lot waiting for a gap or the yeah. number to come up like I've ordered my fish and chips or curry or whatever it happens to be. So if I have private health insurance, I go and see a specialist and he says to me, yes, Tim, we can fit you in maybe in the next week and a half, two weeks. 
and then I'm in my own luxury suite. I have wonderful meals. I have a television. I may even get a quiet little tipple of something that I enjoy to help me recover at the timing's right. It is so different to the public system. Is there the same pressure from um, private health insurance to get back on the uh, you know, on the job as there is from ACC? Perhaps, I mean, I'm not saying there is pressure, but do you think there will be a similar pressure from, from both societies? Just expand on that a bit further. So here I am, I'm, I'm off work and uh, ACC is paying for it. Uh, you know, they might be knocking on my door and say, hey, get in on Ken, you know, we think you should be back at work, you look okay. Uh, is the same person from the health insurance going to say? Well, that's a really good question. Um, thank you for clarifying that because... If you have an injury that results in possibility of a, an operation and so forth, the private health scheme will stand back. They'll say, well, look, it's an accident. ACC will step up to the plate, and they will probably put you through a combination of either the public system or the private system, depending on what the condition is. So the private system will stand aside and let ACC do their mm-hmm. side of things. Again, in my own personal situation, I have had a busted knee from sport. And so ACC covered all that, and it was attended to um, through a private um, hospital. Yeah. Okay, so if I've got private health insurance, yes. and I'm covered under ACC, yes. and I fall over at work and uh, maybe break my hip, mm-hmm. uh, ACCC, ACC say, yeah, we're going to take care of that, and uh, you're on the list, and you're going to wait two years. Um but I go to my insurance company and say, I've fallen over at work, I've hurt my hip, and uh, I want to know, you guys want me to sort out. What's going to happen? Uh, who's, are they going to say, well, no, ACC are going to take care of that? It, it could be, it's a case-by-case basis. So it would depend really on clearly what the condition is. And if ACC said, well, look, we can't fit you in for six, eight, nine months, or whatever mm. that happens to be, then you would want your GP or the person that you're a medical professional you are consulting to say, well, actually, you've got private health care, Let's go through that way. Yeah, and you could do that. You could do that, but it's on a case-by-case basis, and it can get a little grey because sometimes one party doesn't want to get involved if the other party says that they were involved. So it's just people have to tread carefully there, pardon the pun. Sure. Now, I guess there's uh, different scales of health insurance. So where would I, you know, where would you suggest I come in if if I'm, say, uh, a normal average family, say, you know, two parents, two kids? How much are we going to need to spend? Uh, that's a really good question. So uh, obviously it's around age mm-hmm. and smoking status. And also um, it really depends on the level of covers that you want through health insurance because you can have the gold standard, yep. which is more expensive, but covers a wide gambit of different options, such as doctor's visits and so forth, um, glasses, all those sorts of things, et cetera, et cetera. Or you could simply say, well, actually, I want a no-frills type cover. I'm prepared mm. to pay a reasonable chunk of excess because if I get a new knee, it's going to be worth $25,000, $35,000, and I'm happy to pay the first $1,000, and that's all I really want covered is you know the major stuff, the heavy stuff. So that can be operations up to $300,000 in costs, just, again, depending on who the cover is with and yeah. the level of cover you take. Uh it's not super, super cheap. The younger you are, the cheaper it is. Yes. But then as you get older, that's when you need it the most. Of course. Yeah. Let me tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's the same as uh, wage and salary insurance that, uh, you know, saying, okay, we've got ACC. It's going to be there. That's our yep. backstop. So uh, if we're going to also have wage and salary insurance, what's the plus side of that? Well, you don't know how you're going to get off work. Is it because of an accident or because of illness? Yeah. Now, a recent survey done by uh, the Financial um, uh, Institute of New Zealand, they surveyed a whole raft of different people, and 20% of the people they surveyed thought that ACC would cover them mm. if they were ill. 
Mm. Not the case. We don't know how. I don't know about you, Ken, but in this modern world, it seems there's all sorts of different ways that people are getting unwell. And it's the old story. And I've said this before, and again, I'll just repeat the message. If you had a machine sitting on your couch and it was earning $60,000 a year, you'd insure it. Of course you would. But also... You can tailor it to suit your needs in your budget as well. You don't need to spend a whole lot if it gives you just a bit of breathing space for a couple of years, you see. And there's so many little tricks. And I don't like to use the words tricks because it sounded a little bit underhanded. but And it's certainly not. For the record, what it means is that you can have certain products that overlay one another when it comes to your income protection mm. or mortgage repayment insurance so that if you were to walk out of the office, trip over in the car park, break your leg the insurance company could pay you a lump sum. Mm. You have no wait period. Plus, you'd get whatever you get from ACC. And your insurance company may top up a little bit, depending on how all the numbers stack up. Now, there's an old school of thought out there that if you can save, say, let's say, 10% of your uh, weekly income and put that in the bank and leave it in the bank, then it's, it's a good thing to do. Is there a percentage of your income that you should be thinking about investing in your well-being like your wage and salary uh, insurance, like your medical insurance, as an aside from the just to put the money in the bank? That is a fantastic question, Ken. It must be great coffee you brew here because that <laughs> It's has, bushels. I love bushels. It's, it's given you, uh, hey, look, are you an uh, influencer there? Yeah, if you want to sponsor right. Ken, that's fine, bushels. Um, great question. Cutting to the chase. On average, we look at a rough figure of around 3 to 5% of your gross income, mm-hmm. but we don't have a one-size-fits-all. It's like the old economist question. If you had 10 economists in a room and asked them the same question, you get 12 different answers. Yeah. So it comes down to who you are, what your view on life is, what your goals are, personal situation. All those things come into play. And sometimes something it's better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely right there. How often should we review our insurances? Once a year, Yeah, definitely. The world changes so quickly. Even if it's just a touch base, uh, you know, this is what you're paying. Reconfirm what you're paying for because I've had situations in my risk management life where by people that have overlooked the fact they could make a claim. I had a chap that uh, didn't realise he could make a claim for a particular medical situation, spoke to someone that spoke to someone, they said, oh, so-and-so this, so-and-so that. So reached out to them and they said, oh, well, look, I didn't realise. I said, well, come in, fill out some forms, filled out some forms, and there was some money paid to them in seven working days. And the good thing about coming to see you guys at the Stuart Group is that you're independent advisors. You've got no barrier to push. No, look, that's another key point because... Particularly when it comes to financial advice, insurance, etc., there's a perception that often advisors steer people in a different, in a, in a particular direction because that's how they get paid via commission. Mm-hmm. We are not that case. We are client focused, so our financial advisors has expertise spanning, you know, as we touched on before, financial planning, wealth management, ethical and social responsible investments, booster Kiwi Saver, and Australian superannuation transfers, UK pension transfers, trusts, and more. But one of the key things is that we are CFIX accredited fiduciaries. That shows our dedication to making sure that we provide the best possible standard of care and service we can. Yes, indeed. And if we want to avail ourselves of those fabulous services, 
Tim, where do we uh, find the steward group? Well, we are located at 204 Karamu Road North in Hastings, and also we are in Wellington as well, level, level 7, 90 the Terrace Wellington. You can jump onto our website, www.stewartgroup.co.nz. You can email me, tim at stewartgroup.co.nz, or phone the landline 06 650 and my cell number 027 666 